Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. So you read at face value the passages, and then you rephrase them into the first person and make them personal affirmation statements, identity-oriented statements, so that you start to adopt it as your personal beliefs, your personal views and perspectives. And as it gets in there, it starts to work around, and it starts to do its thing, and it starts to change how you think, and then which will then change how you feel, and then emotions, and then your physiology changes, and your neurochemistry starts to realign itself to match those new beliefs that you're taking on, and it's all based on the Word of God. And it is what we're talking about today. It's all based on the powerful aspect of the spiritual nature that's in the Word of God to do the work to actually transform you. Because we're not talking about the power of positive thinking. We're not just talking about thinking differently, which, by the way, what I just described is actually true repentance. True biblical repentance is not when you go to God and you apologize to Him enough until you feel like He's forgiven you. Like, a lot of people think repentance is you've got to convince God how bad of a person that you are, and then He'll forgive you. He's already forgiven you in Christ. Repentance is to wrestle with His logic, His ways, his perspectives, his mindsets, his standards. You've already been made righteous through the blood of Christ, but now you have to renew your mind so that that spiritual identity overtakes everything else. And renewing your mind is your responsibility. And if you want to change anything in your life, you got to think differently. It all starts there. But it's not just about the thinking. It's about giving an opportunity for the Word to do a work because the Word is spiritual in nature. And spiritual means life. So putting the word on the inside of you, meditating on it, memorizing it, rephrasing it into the first person, letting it change how you make decisions is the transformative process, but it's powerful because it's alive. And that's what I want to talk about. We're in this series called Thought Life. And Thought Life, this series is based on Proverbs 23, 7, the first part. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. We're going to talk more about the heart element as we go as well. We're talking about thoughts. You think with your mind and you think with your heart. And then a lot of us do stuff so repetitively that we don't think. You just have impulses and you react. And you don't like those reactions, but you can reset those reactions. So the beliefs of your heart are like the thermostat in the room. If you go below it, it'll bring your actions, your emotions, everything about you, what you believe about yourself and your heart, it'll bring you back up to the level of your beliefs or it'll bring you back down to the level of your beliefs. You get in a situation where you start to experience success or opportunities beyond what your self-image will allow, Mm -mm, your heart, mm -mm, we don't believe that about ourselves. We need some chaos here. We need some some destruction. We need to pull ourselves back down to where the thermostat is set. My thermostat is set is set at, well, I don't deserve to be happy. I, I'm, I, I'm an angry person. 
I'm somebody who was hurt in the past and that's how I see myself. So I'm going to break every opportunity of relationship because I'm pulling myself back down to how I see myself here. And what we're doing in this mind renewal process is rewriting that image so that it matches what Christ has done in you. And then you just naturally live out of that, which essentially is actually living out of your true new nature. But the work is change the way that you think, which is what the Bible calls repentance. Repentance is not convincing God how sorry you are because of how bad you are. There might be an element of turning away from sin, and there is remorse. There's all that that comes with that. But true biblical repentance is saying, the way that I'm thinking is not bringing glory to you. The way that I'm thinking is not in alignment with you. The way that I'm making decisions is not in alignment with you. So that's what I need to change, and then I'll live out of that. So as you think in your heart, so are you. Last week, we went through this word, chazak, and Hans pointed out that uh, there's a church that you're aware of that, like, this is a very positive um, thing. It's boldness and confidence and strength, but the word chazak is actually the word used in Exodus when it says that God will harden Pharaoh's heart. And so we looked at the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. So the image, if you put it all together, is um, God extended himself toward Pharaoh, but the condition of Pharaoh's heart was to harden rather than heal. Because if God, Chazak, reaches out and you push back, then there's a hardening. But you can be strengthened. The other effect of Chazak is to be strengthened, to be healed, to be repaired. So Pharaoh had a choice. If you're unfamiliar with the story, Moses went to Pharaoh, had the Israelites, Hebrew nation enslaved for 420 years, and God said, it's time, go get them. But Pharaoh fought. Pharaoh could have made a different decision. I know that that's like a different perspective. Maybe a lot of people have a theology. Anyway, let me keep going. So this, is, this was the definition, just so you see it, to strengthen, prevail, harden, become strong, be courageous, be firm, grow firm, be resolute, uh, be sore, to hold, to repair. The image is this. God is seeking to hold your heart. He is seeking to be intimate with you because you're directly connected to Him. And how the, the receptivity of your heart, not your physical blood pumper, but your inner man, the, the part of you that defines the eternal aspect of what kind of being you are, the receptivity you are in your inner being to God's Word will determine if you heal or harden. And this is what we want to do. We want to change our minds so that we're receptive to the Word of God, so when we encounter it, even if it offends us or it challenges us or it goes against everything that we think and believe, we're soft enough to it that when God seeks to hold our heart, we trust Him. We trust His Word. And I want to just give you more understanding in the, in the aspect of why you can trust His Word and the, and the active. Does anybody like to understand the nuts and bolts of things? You like to understand some details? Yeah. You know, not, not, that we, not that we can explain the Spirit, because <laughs> you can't really, but we can use the Word to, to gain some understanding and, and, and round out so that we're intentional about hosting the Word of God in our hearts to experience transformation. Say transformation. That's what we're after. So just to finalize that, the receptivity of your mind and heart to God will determine if you harden or heal. Today, this is where I want to go, how to transform your life. 
we're looking at this passage, Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It just says it plain as day. You're righteous. You've been made holy if you're a believer in Christ because you've been indwelt by His Spirit. You have a new heart. Your inner man has been recreated. He's removed that old body of sin and flesh out of you, the spiritual nature, and put a new one in, in there. So spiritually, done deal. You're done. But we need to let the, that reality affect the rest of our being. So the word conformed means to be shaped. You're thinking like a, like a lump of clay. You're molding it. You're shaping it. So don't be, trans, don't be conformed to the world. Don't let the world shape you. Don't let the world shape your beliefs. Don't let, don't let the political climate shape your emotions. Don't let cultural perverted issues shape your hope because the kingdom of God will prevail. Amen? The kingdom of God was inaugurated in Christ and began to increase in the earth, and to the increase of that kingdom, there will be no end. There, there is a congruent kingdom at the same time, the kingdom of darkness. The wheat and the tares are growing. Jesus addressed that. He said, you know, we're not going to go try to pull out all the weeds. and deal. You know, that's not how we're going to deal with corruption and darkness in the earth right now. What we're going to do is we're going to nurture the wheat. We're going to make sure that our wheat is healthy. And, and then God will take care of the other stuff. So it's a, th- it's a focus thing. So be co- don't be conformed. So it's, it's what you start to see is this, this idea of put off, put on starts to come into shape here. And you are responsible over that. Now, if you have the theology that God's in control and it's up to Him to change you, and if He wants you changed, He'll change you, and if He wants you healed, He'll heal you, and if He wants this for you, then He'll do it. If that's your perspective, you know, that this you won't get a whole lot out of this, but if you have the perspective that God gave this planet to mankind and we are responsible to trust and believe and follow Him to, to for His will to be manifest through us, you know, it's God's will that none should perish. But some people are going to perish. God's will does not automatically come to pass. In fact, God's will does not necessarily always come to pass. God desires things that aren't going to happen. It's a difficult reality, but it's true. But it explains the condition of the world and it explains our responsibility as believers. You know, you're, you're, the greatest commandments are to love God, love people, as Jesus, uh, you know, summarized. But renewing your mind, I call it the final frontier for the believer. It's, if you're not in, intentionally engaging in this journey of, of changing the way that you think based on the Word of God, because it's powerful, you know, then you, you know, you're just kind of playing church. <laughs> Welcome all of our visitors. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Be not conformed. Don't let the world shape you. Not, not just your actions, but the way that you think, the way you make decisions, the way you handle your money, the way you handle your finances, right? We look at the world. You look at interest rates. You look at the climate. You look at the stock market. You look at your retirement. You look at this. You look at your kids. You look at college. I mean, it's like, The world's got a system, and it seems so imposing, and it seems so demanding, but the kingdom of God is greater. There's a way to live on this planet that is higher and greater than through carnal constructs. And we can then, from our new identity, actually affect those systems.
So don't let the world shape how you think. Uh, so you're transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I submit the perspective that there's one will of God. There's not three splintered, there's not three splintered wills because some people will teach, well, there's the acceptable. You know, that kind of make God cracks like half a smile on that one. And, and then there's the, uh, well, there's the good. That's a half smile. Acceptable, he's smiling, but he's like, nah, you're almost there. And then the perfect will, good job. You found, you hit the bullseye. That's right. You finally are there. Now you're in the perfect will. To me, I see this as three adjectives describing one thing. The will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. Man, I, I really could go into this whole thing about the will of God, but let me just keep going. So, uh, how does renewing your mind produce transformation? You put on in your mind what is already in your spirit. That's what you're doing. So transformation is you're not trying to become something that you are not. You're trying to live out that which you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are no longer dead in your sin. You are alive in Christ. We're going to have baptisms today, which is an outward expression of that reality. You were dead, but now you've been raised to newness of life in Him. Amen? So let's keep going. I have this passage here, Ephesians 4. This is 21 through 24. And I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation. Uh, it's, it's actually a paraphrase but it's pretty close to the original language. I like the way that it's worded for a couple specific reasons, but let's read this. So Ephesians 4.21, Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature. I'm, I'm, that, that is the hard part. Now you see that reflected in a lot of passages to bring your thoughts captive, right? Bringing your thoughts captive is part of throwing off the old way of thinking, you know? Uh, I'll just keep going. So throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted. So the former way of life was corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, say instead. This is interesting. This is why I picked this version because I, I like the, the way that it says it here. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. How many of you need a new attitude? Glenn? Raise your hands. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a paradox here because it says, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, but then there's action, put on the new nature. So, so letting the Spirit work in you starts with an action and a decision that you make and take, right? You can't just sit back and say, well, if God wanted me to change it, He would just change me. And, and a lot of people pray this way. God, would you just do this? Would you just please change me? But there's no, there's no root. There's no collaboration. You know, it, it's almost as if it's, we're in a marriage with God. And, and in a marriage, you can force your spouse. You can whip out the license and say, you know, we're married and this is supposed to happen. How's that work? Doesn't work very well, right? Woman, Submit. We're not that kind of church. Uh, you could try that, but God's not even doing that. So the Spirit 
will renew your thoughts and attitudes, but you have to put on the new nature. You are that new nature, but you have to make a decision to live within the power of that new nature. And there's an, there's an element that we're still yet to get to, and that is the spirit is alive and active. There, there's, a manifest, there's a point of manifestation where transformation comes. It's not just the power of positive thinking. We're not just, about, we're not just it's not your power to change your mind that produces the transformation. The effort of mind renewal is actually an effort to rest in what you already are, in Christ in you, so that Christ lives through you. Amen? So let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes by putting on your new nature, which is created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And a lot of it starts there. If you do not realize and understand and believe that you are already truly righteous and holy, then, then you know, you haven't even left the gate yet. And the way that you get truly righteous and holy is you place your faith in Christ as your sacrifice. Christ and the work that he's done and the shedding of his blood, which the life is in the blood, the cleansing work of the spirit when you become born again, makes you righteous. In other words, puts you in right standing with God and makes you holy in that it cleanses you. God cleanses you with the life spiritual blood of Christ, which makes you a vessel worthy, capable of being inhabited by His Holy Spirit, which happens for every believer. That Spirit takes up residence on the inside of you. God can't live where it's not holy. It's got to be holy for God to be there. And God lives in you. Amen? That's part of the mind renewal process. You're struggling with sin. You're facing this repetitive sin that you've lived with your entire life, and you think you've got it wrangled. You got it into a nice little box here, this sin, this anger, this you know gambling, this little substance abuse, this porn thing, whatever it is. You got this whole thing going on over here, and you got it under control. Nobody sees it. You know, you feed it every now and then. It's like a little pet you got going over there. You know, it's like a, what was that game you had to get on, you had the kids play? They get online, they have to go feed their animals, digital animals, you know. It's like what we do. It's like we got this little animal hidden. You know what I'm talking about. That 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 you you have to choose to behave that way. It's 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 against your nature now to dip back into that stuff and choose it. Some of y'all might be the first time you heard this, and it, but, but I'm telling you, if you can grasp the reality of the finished work of Christ and the power of His sanctification process that happened in you and is continuing to happen, it's ridiculously powerful to live in the finished work of His atoning sacrifice, which is once and for all in your life. You can't make it better. You can't make it worse. You can just live within the power of it to experience it in the rest of your life. So... Let This is what we're talking about. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes by putting on your new nature. So how does that work? I love this. I love this. Hebrews 4. Now we're getting down into the nitty-gritty. For the Word of God is living and active. The Word of God is alive. Think about that. So when you're going through these passages... It's not that God rewards you with transformation because you've done a good deed. 
And it's not just the surface value of agreeing with that passage that then produces the transformation. It's when your heart is receptive to that spiritual element bursting forth and making, an, making a change within you. The Spirit of God, the, the living Word of God is alive. It's like eating ding-dongs and ho-hos versus apples and bananas. Which one do you want giving you nutrition, right? The Word is the same thing. It's just like food. The better the food, the higher quality the food, the more nutritious the food, the better it's going to serve you. It's going to support your immune system. It's going to support your sleeping habits. It's going to strengthen your uh, organs and your organ system so that you process your food better and it feeds oxygen to your muscles the proper way. The Spirit does the same thing. The Spirit gets in there and it supplies righteousness and peace and joy and self-control and wisdom and strength and and even the gifts, not just the fruits of the Spirit, but the gifts of the Spirit, walking in power. You need a miracle? Then what you need is the Word of God to manifest. You don't need to run down to the specially holy anointed man that rolls through town and says he's got something that you don't, and he puts his hand on you, then you can be healed by that guy. What you need is a personal manifestation of the Spirit of the living God on the inside of you. Amen? If you're a believer, you have everything in you that Christ had in Him, and you don't need any person to do anything for you. You're complete in Him. Say, I'm complete in Him. <clears throat> so for the Word of God, and, and we're going to go a little bit deeper even in what the Word is. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And this is what George is talking about. This is what I hope happens to you when you take the time to meditate within the Word that, that spiritual living element becomes a nutrient to you that then produces joy, patience, wisdom, parenting instruction, financial instruction, relationship instruction. Well, I'm telling you, it, it, it just works. Sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit. That's the point of manifestation between soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and this is what it's doing. This is how transformation is the product of the Word being alive in you, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And that's not necessarily a joyful process. Now, you have been judged for righteousness in Christ, but the Word is holding up the standard of God, and your thoughts, your actions, your beliefs, your emotions, your decisions is going to be weighed up against God's standard. And that's, that's the painful process. That's the repentant process. That's the transformative process. That's working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You're saved, but you got to work it out. You don't work it out through self-effort. You work it out by letting the Spirit renew, but by putting on the new self. And as you do that, there's a point of contact in there, manifestation. I mean, we believe that the Spirit is real, right? There's a spiritual dimension. The Spirit of God is alive and active. The Spirit of God hovered and created and did things, right? The Spirit is active. The Spirit is not an ethereal idea or intangible substance. I, what I see the Spirit is, is, is pure, the, a, purest, a pure, more pure form of energy a higher uh, resonant frequency that transcends physicality. 
So if you, if you think of the electromagnetic spectrum, you got gamma waves on one and x-rays on the other end, and in the middle is visible light. You know, our eyes can perceive and interact with visible light. You got radio waves. Radio waves are coming through this room right now. If you have a, the right receiver, you can tune to those radio waves of that particular frequency and hear it. You know, you guys as pilots, you depend on the consistency of radio waves to fly you and all those people you're flying in, in to the airport properly. <laughs> my brain is going faster than my mouth. The spirit's the same way. It's just a higher, it's higher up on that spectrum of energy, but it's a different form. And over there, in, in, the, in that, that end of the spectrum, at the end of it is God. Pure light, pure love, pure energy, pure potential. And in it, there is no shadow. There is no change. There is no variability. He's perfection. And then everything else comes out of that. And at some point along that spectrum, there's free will that we choose and we create the corruption, right? Are you with me? So the Spirit of God is like, follow me, a frequency that you can't see or hear or perceive, but given the right instruments, you can Gamma wave, X-ray. Any X-ray technicians in here? Anybody that's in that field, doctor, anything like that? Yeah. You got to have the right frequency and the right type of machine to perceive the X-ray to do what it does, right? Same thing with the Spirit of God, and that's why God makes you new. He puts a new. He puts His Spirit in you so that you're actually resonating on the same frequency that He's on. And then you understand the quantum aspects of quantum entanglement. You're so connected to God, you're just like Him inwardly. Now, you're not God, you're not a God, but He's joined Himself to you where He turns, you turn in spirit. And then what you can do is put on that mind of Christ so that you're in sync and harmony with His will. That's what it talks about, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove the perfect, acceptable. That's when He's turning, you're turning. Jesus said, look, I, don't, I, don't, I only do that which I see the Father doing and say that which I hear Him say. That's an energetic, a spiritual energetic statement to me. Not some random idea. You're connected to God. You, you can be influenced inwardly by the power of the living God. And the avenue, one, one of the ways and modalities to do that is to host the written word, and then it becomes the living word. And then it changes and it does the shaping. It, the Spirit is active in there. Even right now, you feel faith come up. This is how miracles happen. This is how the gifts of the Spirit happen. This is how the fruits of the Spirit happen. The Spirit manifests. And you host it inwardly. So the Word of God is alive and active. Gets all the way down in there. Goes as deep as it can go. We're talking about the manifestation of the Spirit. Let's go a little bit deeper. How does it manifest? Man, I'm telling you, it, it, it all really just comes back to Jesus. John 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. Who's He? But, but in terms of this, who's He? The Word. The Word is alive and active. I mean, what we're talking about is you experiencing the manifest presence of Jesus on the inside of you to be shape you and conform you and do the work within you. So He was in the beginning with God. Skip down to verse 14. And the Word, you could say manifested, became flesh 
and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So powerful. The spiritual word manifests to shape and mold you because it's alive and it's seeking to carry out God's will. That's what's going on inside you right now. The Spirit of God is searching, searching the intents of your heart, searching your attitudes, paying attention to how you're thinking. Not to judge you, not to condemn you, but to impact you, to transform you, to shape you, so that you reflect the glory of God from the inside out. If the body of Christ could really grasp what we are and who we are, man, the world would look and say, oh my goodness, I didn't know that's what it meant to be a Christian. I want that. I don't want the condemning finger pointing at me for my perversion. I'm going to push that back. But if I could see this power, this life, you transformed, uh, man, that, that's desirable. And you know one of the greatest ways we show that is by our love for one another. I mean, if, you're, if, if, the, if the manifestation of the spirit that you're walking in, whether it be gifts or fruit, is not making you more loving toward others, it's the wrong spirit. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation, and the word is the power of God unto transformation. This is, our, this is actually our destiny. Almost there, Romans 8, 29. For whom he foreknew... He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's what's going on inside of you. You are on the potter's wheel in this moment, and He's shaping you. Are you going to let Him? Because you've got to be willing. He predestined... So, i got a statement I want to read because you throw up this passage and instantly if you got a Baptist, Calvinistic kind of mindset, background, it throws you off. But those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. See, the image of the Son is your true identity. And you want to put that on to reflect it outwardly. That He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Say, I am one of the brethren. You can speak King James. So let me just say this. This is a caveat for the predestined aspect. Let me just read this because I want it in here. Romans, the book of Romans, is a progressive revelation. So in other words, Paul's building upon the last thing he said. So he builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. He doesn't just say one thing and then you stop there. you got to follow out the whole rest of the idea to get the full impact of what he's saying. So he might say one thing to recognize their mindset, but then he continues to teach the revelation to fully reveal the, 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 the expressed truth in Christ. Are you with me? So that statement in Romans 8, 29, let me just, let me read this. because So you can't just stop there. That's Romans 8, 29, about being conformed. You can't stop there because in Romans 9, he goes on to say that he now wants to save Gentiles too. Prior to this, the Jews were the only ones who were, who were referred to as those whom he foreknew. So it says, those whom he foreknew, he predestined. Before, it was only for the Jews. Uh, they were the elect, the chosen people. Now, all who believe in Christ are the chosen and the elect. For the Jew first and for the Gentile. And I'm telling you, and I don't mean to attack a particular way of thinking, but there's this tulip model. If you grew up in Calvinism, if you grew up with a real hardcore perspective of 
predeterminism and predestination from that perspective. The elect is only the people that God chooses to give saving faith to. Whereas all throughout Scripture, you look and he's talking about the Jews first and also now the Gentiles. In Romans 9, if you go and you read through it, the big idea is uh, God can do whatever he wants to do as evidenced in, in Pharaoh. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh had a choice, but he hardened his heart, so then God used him in the way that Pharaoh chose his own path to go. But the big idea is God can do anything he wants to do as evidenced by Pharaoh, but what God wants to do is also now save Gentiles. So those whom he foreknew is not just limited to Jews, but now all who will believe. That's some of you, that doesn't matter, doesn't, it doesn't touch where you came from, but if you came from that, I'm telling you, if you will get that, it will revolutionize that systematic theology that was indoctrinated into you and help you real, help you walk out of that, you know. Anyway, so this is the instructional part. We've got two more passages to read because, you know, this is, if, if, if you don't put this into practice, then, then it's like, oh, I really liked that. I really liked when he said this. Well, I, I don't, I don't care. But I want you to, I want you to put this into practice. Like those kind of testimonies, that's my favorite stuff. It's like, I don't need this guy, but now I got this. That, that's the goal. I don't want you to need me. I want you to feed in the Word and have a relationship with God where you, you learn more in your private time with the Lord than anything. So that you just come to church then, a whole healed person, full of the Spirit, full of faith, hope. You come in here and you're ready to serve. You're ready to be nice to people. You're ready to smile and think about them beyond whatever you're going through. That's what church is. Church is a community where broken people come and get whole. Church isn't a place where you come and you display how perfect you are. It's a hospital. And those of us that have been walking should be far enough along where when broken people come in, we can help because we know who we are. I feel like I'm being kind of heavy-handed today, but I just, I just want to get these points across. So this is the instructional aspect. Colossians 3 uh, verse 1 through 3, since then you have been raised with Christ. And that's, that's an identity statement. So th this is the model. Watch what he does. There, there's instruction on how to think and what to think about, but it's sandwiched in identity. So because you are this, then do this. Not do this to become this. You see the difference? All right, so since then you've been raised with Christ. Now what does that mean? That means you're no longer dead in your sin. You're alive in Christ. You were cut off from God in the commonwealth of Israel, but now through Christ you are a true child of God now. You, you, you were in outer darkness destined for separation from God, but now you have been made one with Christ. You were a sinner, but now you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Since then... Uh, also, too, you are powerless, and he's, he's given you an inheritance. You have the same joint inheritance that Christ does. You have the same power on the inside of you. Now you're in the position where all things that Christ did, you're, you're, you're commissioned to do. He said, that which I've done, you do. Since then, set your hearts or affections on things above. And we're not talking about up there necessarily. We're talking about things that are higher, just a higher way of thinking, more kingdom thinking. Set your mind on things, set your affections, your hearts on things above where Christ is seated in the position of authority, seated at the right hand of God, far above everything. 
whatever you're, so this is practically what it looks like, is what names, name, in your mind, name what you're dealing with. Then you go through this, okay? Since I'm raised with Christ, then I'm higher than that. I'm above that. It doesn't have power. The lure and the strength of sin and temptation has been broken because the grace of God is alive on the inside of me. So I'm higher than that. I'm better than that. I'm stronger than that. That doesn't define me. These people that are dealing with uh, these, these temporary uh, sexual-based identities or uh, even people that are successful in business or whatever it is, any, any temporary carnal, and by carnal I mean physical identity that, that people assume and put on and, and, and want you to uh, relate to them as that identity, that's not their identity. That's just a temporary set of ideas, right? There's a greater reality, and, and so that back to whatever it is that you're seeking to rise above and break the power of in your life, this is what you do. You remind yourself who you are in Him. Then you look at that situation from that perspective, especially when you're facing it and you're about to fall or fail or repeat one more time, that thing which you so desperately despise, but you can't seem to get free from it, even if it's a way of thinking. I have some friends, good friends. We've been friends for a long time. In fact, he was our first worship leader, and, and they've been posting. I didn't, I didn't know the guy that they're posting about, but they're crushed right now because one of their friends, 30-something-year-old guy, just took his own life. You know, And, and I just think, it's, and I'm not condemning the guy, you know, I think Jesus paid for all sin. And I'm not condemning the guy. But man, what if he knew how to do this? You know, he could have stepped out of that. I believe that. I know that's hard. I know that's hard, but it's true. If he'd have known how to get a hold of himself, bring his thoughts captive, put on the new man, re remember who he was in Christ, you, you rise above that. But but we turn to, and I'm. this is not, I'm not, I'm not, making a statement one way or the other, but what we do is we turn to sin, we turn to medication, we turn to laziness, we turn to whatever. But I'm telling you, the spirit of the living God on the inside of you is more powerful than anything that you can do. And it's not a secret. It's not mystical. It's just spiritual. And spirit is gracious. Spirit is accommodating. Spirit has to be given place to to manifest. Spirit has to have the right soil to manifest into. And the soil is not defined by whether or not you're good or bad. It's are you receptive? Are you humble? Are you repentant? That's why grace comes to the humble. Mercy comes to the humble. You can lay that down. Humility is to recognize where you are, but let the Spirit of God empower you out of it. You set your mind on things above, not on the earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Last one, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, this is what you do. Whatever it is that you're facing, you do this in regard to who you are in Christ and what's in His Word, which is why you got to know His Word and let the Word impact you and move you. I love it when people talk to me about the Word moving them. And, and I mean, like, you know, something happened on the inside of there. It's not just I learned something, but it's, oh man, that's really impactful and moving. So you, you think, you, so whatever's true, whatever's honorable, 
in that specific situation that you're dealing with, finances, relationships, parenting, health, whatever, what's true? What's the truth in this situation? So, so you, you kind of, this is almost like a formula. I'm not trying to give you a formula or steps, but I'm just saying it's a formulaic way of thinking yourself through whatever it is that you're dealing with. What, you're, what are you dealing with? Then you do this. In this situation, this is what the Word says about it. So I'm, then I'm going to think, okay, what's the truth about this situation? What's the, what's the honorable thing in this? What's just? What's the right thing to do? Whatever's pure, lovely, commendable. If there's anything of excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And then again, all the way back to, it's not just the power of positive thinking, because thinking only conditions the heart to be receptive to the Word slash Spirit of God, which does the work. You can't change yourself. You ever tried? But the Spirit of God can. But you have to put on the new man. You have to put on that new self and host it and let the Word do the work. It's shocking to me how few Christians read the Bible. And it's okay to approach it topically. It's okay to approach it topically in regard to what you're dealing with. But it's not, you know, it's not like the final answer or the solution. It's just a way. Because you are predestined to look just like Jesus. Let the Spirit do its work, amen? Just put your attention on Him for just a moment. And just think about something that you're taking away with this uh, from this pass from this message. And uh, if I were to give you homework, it's identify a situation in your life that you need to see change, and then do the uh, Philippians four eight process. Walk yourself through Philippians four eight in that specific area of life. Father, I thank you. I'm committed to your word. I trust your word. And I recognize that Jesus, you are that word. We're not talking about letters on a page. We're not talking about written sentences. We're talking about the wisdom of God manifest. We're talking about the logic of God, the ways of God manifest into a human, manifest into teachings that we can put into practice. And it's not just physical actions. It's a spiritual process of transformation. So we trust you. Just tell him you trust him. I trust you, Lord. I acknowledge that you are God. I acknowledge that I'm saved only through you, Jesus. You love me. You gave yourself for me. You hung on that cross to pay for my sin. You bore all the penalty and shame of breaking the law so that I can be free. You passed into the grave, overcame death, hell, and the grave for me. And then you remained faithful to the Father and were raised from the dead. So we don't have to be afraid of death. The fear of death is broken for the believer. We are in you. You were raised. You took your own blood into that heavenly holy of holies and offered your spiritual lifeblood as a sacrifice for us so that through you we now enter the presence of God. And that presence is in us. Just say that. The Spirit of the living God lives in me. The Spirit of the living God lives in me. 
And out of that, I trust that your spirit continually manifests in me and shapes me and molds me and transforms me. And I will let your word judge the attitudes and the intents of my mind and my heart. I know that I'm accepted in you. I'm not going to be rejected in you, but I'm going to let you in to do that work in me because I want to show the world what you look like. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen.